Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about child rapists and molesters revealed. And, you know, here's the deal. Images of child sex abuse have reached a crisis on the Internet, uh, spreading at a unprecedented rates in part because these platforms these social media and law enforcement agencies have failed to keep pace with the problem you know but less is understood about the issue underlying it at all what drives people to sexually abuse children you know there's a lot of studies in recent years that has provided some answers you know one thing is and this is a big one you know most pedophiles have in common they discover usually as teenagers that their sexual preferences have not matured like everyone else's. Most get stuck on the same age boys or girls who first attracted them at the start of puberty and through uh, some retained interest in far younger children. That means they don't mature. They don't progress beyond the age of discovery of sexual incidents in their childhood. They don't grow beyond it. You know, the idea is that people don't choose what arouses them. They discover it. And no one grows up wanting to be a pedophile, but over the years and over a gradual slippery slope, some people get stuck into the idea that that's what they want sexually. And over over the uh, the past generations, you know, there's a lot of forensic specialists and psychologists that have studied pedophilia, and it's it's basically a recurrent, intense, arousing fantasies or urges or behaviors involving sexual activity with a prepubescent child, and 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 there is a, a you know piecing together the life histories and a variety of other uh, measurements. There are a way to indicate the red flags around who these people are. You know, none of the studies really offer a complete picture, but there's portraits that are emerging, you know, and a majority of convicted offenders are actually men who prey on children ages 6 to 19, or 16, or 17, excuse me, 6 to 17. But women also commit hands-on offenses. You know, rough estimates put the rate of uh, pedophilic attraction to 1 to 4% in both men and women. And also, a small subset of male and female pedophiles have an interest in toddlers and even infants. You know, as scientists look at this and understand how this disorder develops, there's a growing consensus that the origin is likely biological. And this view is based in part on studies pointing to subtle physical traits that have a higher incidence among pedophiles. And so the biological cues uh, attached to pedophilia demonstrate that its roots are prenatal. And these are not genetic. They can be traced to specific periods of development in the womb and outside the womb and in the environment in which exacerbates the genetic predispositions. Now, there's a common presumption that pedophiles were themselves abused as children, and there's actually less support for that nowadays. But child victims 
are far greater risk of future substance abuse, depression, persistent trauma stress, criminal aggression, weight issues, and uh, becoming molesters themselves. And a vast majority of offenders deny any sex abuse in their childhood, even though they could garner sympathy in court by doing so. So a chaotic childhood increases the likelihood of a chaotic adulthood of any kind. And so the relationship between viewing or collecting images or committing hands-on abuse is really uh, continuing a debate. And as, uh, as you evaluate this thing, it's an evolving profile, and it's a growing profile of understanding, especially now that we are exposed to social media and all the horrible things that it has brought into our lives, intruding on our privacy. You know, the perception began to change in 2007 when when uh, the Federal Bureau of Pris uh, uh, Prisons reported that 85% of convicted online offenders acknowledged in therapy that they had raped or otherwise sexually abused children. And that circulated widely after the study was published, and it created an uproar among therapists and researchers and law enforcement uh, specialists. The prisons bureaus balked at publishing it all and withdrew it from a peer-reviewed journal uh, close to its release date. But, but you know, many cited concerns that that was biased. However, the confessions of 155 convicts who had sought out therapy in prison not a tell you know a represented a sample of, of pedophiles and 185 and 155 profiles of pedophiles in prison i would say is a pretty good study and a pretty good understanding of uh, what a pedophile might look like you know a high rate of hands-on offending uh, people have the common assumption that we should assume that viewing online images leads to the abuse of children in person and I would say that that does have some substantiality. You know, if you're going to be looking at that kind of uh, pornography, if any pornography, uh, like you should be looking at pornography, right? No. Um, but if you're going to turn children into objects and women into objects, and men into objects that are there for your sexual gratification, and you're going to continuously reinforce that over time, you're going to want to go down the slippery slope of at, in, 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 enveloping that into your life and involving those kind of kids into your life and making yourself into a perpetrator. You know, it's a, it's a tragedy. You know, we need to learn about these people, about these pedophiles. We need to know what they look like, what their environments that they're looking for are, so that we understand when our children are out in this world uh, that they can be a little bit safer because we know what to look for. You know, keeping kids safe from sexual abuse is not a black and white issue. Even experts who have interviewed convicted child molesters, it's that they, they seem to be likable people, the molesters. And it's a gray area where most exist. These predators come off as good, charismatic, everyday kind of people. Their predatory behavior often extends towards how they treat and interact with other adults. So no two abusers are alike or talk or act the same, but many compartmentalize their abusive behaviors and seem like perfectly typical people during their day-to-day -day life. So that means they put this little child molester, child sex rapist, 
into a box so they don't have to hold themselves accountable for it. So number one, you want to look for people who compartmentalize because compartmentalization means that they don't have to take responsibility for the heinous crime in which they create and involve other children and affect their mental health for the rest of their lives. You know, keep in mind, sexual abuse is often not about sex, but it's about power, control, dominance. And in many cases, rape is an outlet that perpetrators are using to fill a perceived need. And it is difficult when no two abusers look or talk or act the same. And seeing one or more of these red flags does not necessarily mean you are in the presence of a sexual abuser, but if your instinct is feeling something is off, you need to be vigilant. You need to speak up if their behavior is inappropriate. Minimize this person's access to children, especially in a one-on-one -on -one situation, uh, which is the case for an estimated 80% of all child sexual abuse. So raising awareness in a casual way that you're educated about child sexual abuse may put some potential abusers on guard and in fear that they may be caught. Some predators can be very patient with their grooming behaviors, which is why it's important to consider the risk of abuse, not just with new acquaintance, but with those we've known and grown to trust. We have to be very careful that certain adults may be grooming our children to the point that they can get them to be able to have sex with our children. And you may not necessarily know how these people are very well, or you may know them by face and name and their attitude. They may be a coach, a parent of a child, a neighbor. In order to gain access to your child, they usually try to establish rapport with the parent as well as the child. But in some cases, they're less careful about hiding their intentions. So you want to be cautious for following behaviors and uh, these, these kind of uh, characteristics that I'm about to break out. Number one volunteers or, or works with children but they don't have children of their own or child-friendly toys, video games, tree houses, train sets, doll collections, but they have no children. So what's that about? You know, they spend more time with children than adults or peers and they may even come off as immature and childish themselves. They may have a favorite child that they seem to spend time with which may vary from year to year, month to month, week to week. You know, they also give gifts or special privileges for no reason at all. And they, they may be overly affectionate or playful with children, hugging, tickling, wrestling, holding, having a child sit on their lap. You know, also disregards a, a no or stop to other efforts from a child to avoid physical contact. So the child may say no and they still keep going. Also, you want to look for long stares or periods of watching a child, especially on a playground, you know, that can be extremely, extremely dangerous kind of person. You never know what's walking in these parks, especially with these tent people. God forbid something would happen to your child. You want to be there, be safe, protect them at all costs. You know, also comments or conversation about a child's appearance, that's an indicator. That may even take a, a turn for the inappropriate. Also, they may exhibit a sense that they feel that they have special rights or privileges above all other people. Also, they oftentimes have eagerness to learn details of your personal, uh, possibly your romantic life, or, or your child and their interests. 
They may flatter you and your child, your talents. Likewise, they may boast about their own successes and accomplishments, charitable work, generosity. These are things you've got to look for. These are things that are indicators that that person may have a different agenda than what you believe they're capable of. If you're a single parent, especially a mother, the person may be a new or potential romantic interest that comes off as too good to be true or anyone that seems interested in filling in as a fatherly role of your child. You know, if you are a single mother, the last thing you want to be doing is trying to find a father for your child. Not a good idea. You are the biological parent. You are their safety. And here's the sad news. A lot of parents, after their child actually says something inappropriate happened, don't believe them. They believe the other idiot. And you know, that is a huge problem down the road when a child actually voices the fact that they've had an issue and nobody, their responsible adult parent, has not taken action or investigated or even understood what's going on. So we have to be very vigilant. If you decide you're going to be a parent, don't be breeding stock. Be a parent. Be a real parent who cares about your kids. You know, also, that th these kind of folks seem to like the very same things that your child is interested in. And they establish a sense of camaraderie with your kid. They draw your child away from you. You know, oh, and then they demonize the parent. I know how your parents are. You know, you're old enough to make your own decisions. That's called grooming, folks. You know, attempts to make you doubt about your protective instincts. You're not the one of those helicopter parents, are you? That, that criticism of your parenting style, that's another indicator. You know, they, if they offer to help out with your child, a stranger, they may offer to walk them to an arcade while you're, you're shopping at the mall or an acquaintance that offers to watch or give your child a ride to soccer practice when you find yourself in a bind. They look for those situations where you can count on them and then they have access to your child because they're building trust over and over and over again. You know, some uh, someone that suggests a child is troubled or prone to lying, uh, uh, that is another way that the groom person will try to discredit the child by making them into a liar. Or if you, as a parent, are going to characterize and label your child as a liar, they have no safety. You have taken their safety away. Because if they say, hey, this happened to me, it's like the little girl or boy who cried wolf. You know? You have to be very careful what you are surrounding your children with these days. And I'm not trying to create an ultra paranoia state because, quite frankly, when I grew up, they throw you out the door and you come back at night and have dinner. And that's about it. That, and you are on your own. But the truth is we kids that played together throughout the summer, made our own games, did lots of great things, had a great time with each other, and we also looked out for each other and any creepy adults. We actually looked out for each other. Pretty amazing. But in this day and age, now that there's a massive amount of creepy people, especially in big cities where we all live back to back and neck to neck with each other, you know, the bottom line is we have to be very careful how and what our children are exposed to, especially now that we live in the day of social media and the Internet, because God knows they all use it. You know, here's something that uh, you really want to look at. Somebody that spends more time with children than adults, uh, they, you know, they may be immature or childish. 
you know, we, we have to be very careful looking at people that really would prefer to be around children, yet they are an adult. That tells you there's some kind of agenda there. Uh, sometimes they're overly affectionate or playful. Uh, um, you know, we have to be careful. These are flags. You know, uh, uh, if they also are very prone to having social media, text messaging, email, you know, especially with the child in private, that is a very strong indicator that there's something wrong with this person. If they have a lot of media presence and a lot of it has to do with children, that's a good indicator there's some issues there. Someone that spends a lot of time viewing pornography. You know, it's not just the pornography. It's what kind of pornography are they looking at, especially when the views child pornography. That's illegal. And that is something to tell you. If you see something like that, you need to report it because likely that person is on the edge, if not have, having done enormous amounts of damage to other children. So there are people out there that use social media to, as predatorial activity to convince your children to go certain places, go to certain parks, go to certain areas, and then they conduct activity with your children sexually. And then your, children, your child, especially if you've labeled them a liar, is probably not going to want to admit what happened out of shame and guilt because they did not take responsibility for themselves. And now if they bring their parent in, something drastic is going to happen, and maybe that person that molests or sexually rapes them scares them to death and makes them believe that they, they're going to kill them if they say anything. So we have, in this world, we really have to get a grip on this. Now, we're also going to look into female offenders in this next segment. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC CEO Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? 
The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about child rapists and molesters, and we're trying to reveal what these folks look like. You know, with female offenders, unlike males, they often abuse a child in conjunction with a male, and often a spouse or a partner, and they may abuse a child to please the other offender and take video and photos of the abuse to share with that accomplice. And so you really want to be careful because women that are unstable or controlling relationships seem to be incapable and fearful of their partner leaving them or being alone. So they will do whatever their partner wants, which is called a narcissist, and they are called a codependent. So they are kind of like the the wing person for the ultimate uh, offender, which is oftentimes the male. And and uh, the person may encourage interaction with their abusive partner, like using their partner as like a substitute babysitter. So they become the babysitter and then they switch out and have their partner show up. Uh, uh, so which that may create enormous amounts of problems for now. Your children are trapped with this male predator uh, because we developed a loving or caring or trusting relationship with their female partner. Also, oftentimes, uh, the women have substance abuse problems that do abuse to children. They also have a favorite child they seem to spend time with, and they give them special attention, gifts, privileges. You know, uh, once again, they're overly affectionate. Uh, they minimize the need. Of the, this is the big one. They minimize the need for respect to privacy when they're dressing or going to the bathroom. They may try to normalize nudity around children or use their bodies to teach the child about sexuality. They oftentimes exhibit a sense that they feel they have special rights. Uh, someone that communicates with the child in private, that that's huge. And we talked about in a previous segment, like social media, text messaging. You know, w women have a tendency to bond with children in that way. And what they do is they use that as their bait to get them into their life, either for their partner, themselves, or both. Um, you know, they also often are going through a difficult period in life, like a job loss, a divorce, death of a family, something that may add stress, like feelings of depression, low self-esteem and loneliness. That's a common indicator that someone who would not be considered to be a pedophile may turn into a sexually abusing a child as a means to cope with their own personal unhappiness. And, and, and sometimes they, uh, they suggest a child is troubled or prone to lying, so they're going to try to discredit that child, especially in the parent's eyes, so that the parent will never believe. You know, uh, it's, it's just amazing that juvenile offenders are also estimated to be responsible for about 40% of all sexual child sexual abuse, yet they're the least discussed type of offenders. And most juvenile offenders are over the age of 12. So the reality is you may see these behaviors in, in your own child, not necessarily someone who's a threat to your child. And as adults, it's our responsibility to take action if we feel our child may exhibit signs that they could sexually abuse another child. You know, so you want to look out that children uh, that are or have previous experienced abuse, like physical, emotional, sexual, 
and are not in therapy are probably a candidate to be a child molester or rapist. Children that exhibit bullying or aggressive or controlling behavior, that's another indicator that something's going on in their life where they would want a position of power, which means abuse or rape or molestation. Also, uh, uh, children that might uh, view pornography. We have tons and tons, millions and millions and billions of latchkey children who are exposed to pornography, who are able to explore that part of their life, and they develop and embellish an enormous fantasy life that just never stops. And of course, being younger, they're looking for younger. So, you know, this is how our kids get exposed to this crap, and this is how this creep a slippery slope will make its way into children's lives. Also, they they also may exhibit a sense that they feel they have uh, uh, that that they are better than other kids, or they may stay aloof from other children. And so, by doing that, they want them to come to them. They want to be in a position of power to be able to control a relationship. You know, uh, there's also a problem that children, especially parents, have a really terrible time educating kids on human sexuality and proper responsible sexual behavior, especially now in this woke age where these idiots are teaching children from kindergarten to second grade sexuality and understanding uh, gender bias and gender identity. Pretty amazing that that's actually in our school systems and we're all sitting back and going, that's okay. Not a good thing. I would like to know what the science is to prove that that's a good thing to do to children. You know, children have a a negative view of females or those with other sexual orientations or gender uh, issues that those children are susceptible to child abuse. You know, if they're struggling with their own gender identity, that's an indicator there may be something within them or there may have been something in their life that has determined them to go in a different direction sexually than what they're instinctually born with. Not that everybody is instinctually born with with wanting to be uh, male-female or female-to-male. I'm not suggesting that. I know it's out there. I know that we all have different ways of attractiveness and we know from our childhood and all this stuff. I understand all that. I'm not criticizing that. But what I'm trying to say is that gender identity in children is an in way for someone predatorily, whether it's an older child or an adult, to have some kind of access to that child's sexuality. And we have to be very careful who and how they have these dialogues. But the good news is that most people we trust around our children are not sexual abusers. However, it's often people who are uneducated and prepared that may unintentionally enable abuse as offenders and take advantage of the naivete and the trust in children. The more we educate adults and older juveniles on how to promote body safety with children, it minimizes the opportunity of abuse and it allows them to speak up when necessary. Safer children will will be less threatened and more safe by becoming more aware of what's out there and how to handle it. Whether the children we know are toddlers, grade school, teens, there's a variety of ways we can promote body autonomy and strengthen their um, intuition for situations where people may be predatorial. 
reading books, doing activities, taking the time to remind children that we will always believe them. Inappropriate touching is never their fault, and that is always important to tell us. Very important to have those dialogues with our kids in this day and age because it is prevalent. Child rape and molesters are out there, and it's on the rise, and it's getting worse, and gender identity is now a discussion. They're making their way from that into all kinds of horrible situations that trap our children into being in situations they do not want to be, be in. You know, with the majority of sexual abuse occurring in situations where the perpetrator is in a one-on-one -on -one situation with the child, much of that abuse occurs within the home of the child or the perpetrator and often with others in close proximity in another room. And it's important to identify situations where children are isolated with older children or adults. So promoting an open door policy at home during play dates or family gatherings, very important. Checking in on occasion. If someone is spending time alone with the child, checking in on them in a quiet moment to ask if they were treated appropriately and that people follow body safety rules. And even if children go to school, attend childcare, take part in sports, tutoring, have medical appointments, there are steps these facilities should be taking to prioritize child safety. Asking about policies and procedures may be important. You know, many abusers will groom and test the reaction of their targeted victims and the protective adults around them with seemingly harmless behaviors that break down a child's personal boundaries. And this may involve touching, spending time alone, excessive interest or conversations or behavior that are simply not appropriate for that person's role or relationship with the child. And, and the, those examples may include a teacher that depicts a special student, uh, a daycare worker that would tickle children in a, in a you know, with other staff not around, a Bible study leader, God forbid, who focuses uh, much of their attention on the victim. You know, even if someone's intention is not harmful, it is important to address and correct inappropriate behavior so that children understand what, 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 what to expect from people in a position of authority. Because authority is the position that the molester and rapist wants. They want power. They want control. That's what they're looking for. And it's sad because in their life, they, they feel they have no power and control. And once again, they have the innate skill of, 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 of compartmentalizing their pornography, compartmentalizing their behavior with children, compartmentalizing everything, and also having this ability to basically delude themselves to believe that what they're doing is innocent and fine. And, and when they're grooming an adult and they're grooming a child, that, I'm, I didn't mean anything bad about that. You know, all that crap. We have to really understand that people have subconsciouses as well as consciences. And sometimes that shadow of who they are is more dangerous than the person that they reveal to us. We have to be very careful with that. I'm not trying to create paranoia and all kinds of stuff, but we're living in a world where the moral compass is across the board. It's all over the place. And the only real protection that our children have, and sadly, half of our parents are breeding stock, but their parents are the ones that can help if they actually love their children more than they love themselves. You know, typologies are based on theories, you know, basically saying that sex offenders specialize. Uh, you know, child abusers are, are, are usually fixated. They're regressive. 
they're always looking for a victim with a gender or a relationship. They fixate on a particular gender or relationship or body type or naivete of a child. They also, you know, the, the, what the rapists want is power, reassurance, power assertive, you know, anger, retaliation, sadistic. Uh, you know, females want a co-offender, a, a teacher-lover position, or a, a heterosexual nurturer, you know. And, and then on the internet, impulsivity and curiosity is a big deal. And they have uh, fueled sexual interests. They access victims and disseminating images of people who are suicidal or sad or depressed and are communicating openly about how anxious they are or communicating about their gender identity openly on the Internet. These people take great advantage of that. And they are looking to fill the gaps for all these people who kids who are searching to find themselves. And so, you know, there's also... Uh, a lot of recent ex, uh, advances in the developmental risk factors and offensive pathways that children are reached. You know, we have to understand that, uh, you know, toxic masculinity promotes rape culture. So a lot, uh, and that's why people are into uh, attacking male people, male dominance, male trait of dominance, because they see that as a rape culture. And a lot of offenders of rape and other sexual assaults are young people. And the only way to have a social status amongst male peers, in many cases, is to be highly sexually experienced and not being uh, sexually active is often very stigmatizing that they are not a very uh, uh, good male. And so what we have to understand is that no longer is what we're looking for in a male. We're looking for a male to be respectful, to be a male, but not to be looking to be sexually dominant in a relationship to the point that only their needs are important and their scores of sexual incidences are important. You know, there are elements at work in our culture and in our media that suggest that uh, men, th that they should assert dominance over women as a form of fake masculinity. That's not true. That's not what we want in this world. What we want is equalness and a sense of respect for each other, really good listening skills to cherish, to love, to listen, to respect each other. If we have that, we have all the elements of sexuality that we need. You know, uh, sexuality comes from empathy, not power. It comes from compassion, not power. It comes from attraction, not power. So, you know, it's necessary to establish that rape is not a behavioral or mental disorder, but a criminal offense, period. Yes, mentally demented people, mentally, uh, mental disorders are a part of a person that rapes or molests. But the biggest ingredient is we have to address it. First and foremost, it is a crime. They do not need to be in our population. They need to be out of the uh, genetic pool, you know, we we need to have them out of where they're going to breed. <laughs> we need to keep them away from children. We need to keep them away from victims. You know, they have a psychological disorder, and do they deserve to be treated? Sure, but they also don't deserve to be violating other people and creating mental mental health issues in children's lives for the rest of their life or women's life for the rest of their life or men's life for the rest of their life. They do not deserve that kind of power. You know, 
they they uh, many people have argued that rape is an ad adaptation, the result of a, a Darwinian selection that uh, has evolved to increase reproduction and the success of men. But I'm sorry, we do not live in the jungle anymore. Yes, we may have the instincts, but we also have to have a thing called self-restraint. Yes, well, God forbid we all have self-restraint. And another thing that might be important to be able to survive in this society, in this world, would be a thing called integrity, doing behind the scenes what we do in front of others. If we could do that, then we wouldn't have to have a fake personality. We can actually be all of who we are and accept all of who we are without having to have this persona image that we put on a performance every time we walk out the door and have other people in our life. You know, the, the, the fact most social scientists, psychologists, feminists, activists are of the opinion that rape nearly exclusively has to do with the issues of power and violence. And, they, and that rape is not about lust, but it's motivated by the urge to control and dominate and that it could be driven by hatred and hostility, especially towards children, especially towards women and God forbid, yes, men. You know, rapists often see women as sex objects who are there to fulfill their personal sexual needs. So they tend to hold false belief, and that's called a rape myth. For instance, a rapist can believe that if a woman says no, she really means yes. You know, that's the funny thing about a no. If you say no, or no, 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 or no, 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 if you're going to put a big Broadway production into a no, and it, 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 a child even is going to think there's a yes underneath it because you're having to work so hard to say no. So with a rapist, they're reading your no by how hard is it for you to say the no because that leads them to the idea there's a yes underneath it and they convince themselves that it's a yes and then they keep coming at you. So we have to be very strong with our words. No. No means no. Don't do it. That means you're clear. And the clearer you are to set a boundary, the more they understand there's a consequence on the other side of whatever they are trying to do. You know, there's a lot of cultures and patriarchy and dominance. When you're in a loyal ba loyalty-based culture like a third world country, like a poor country or a poor part of town or a poor culture – you are probably going to not report sexual molestation, rape of any kind because you're going to perceive that whatever's going to happen, it's going to be bad and it's going to be consequential and it's going to affect your whole family. It's going to affect all your friends. It's going to affect everybody involved in your life because that loyalty has now been broken. You no longer are the loyal family member. And so sadly, we don't get the full picture of actual people that are raped, children that are raped and molested, ever, simply because those cultures depend on loyalty to each other, first and foremost. And you could be loyal to a gang, which means you're stupid. But, you know, we do dumb things when we're loyal. But that's what third world countries do because they have no cops that you can trust. They have no army you can trust. They have no body you can trust. And that's the sad truth. In even the poorest pockets, and not even just the poorest pockets, even the mediocre pockets of the United States, and even on the high-end pockets of the United States where people have too much autonomy and can abuse their children just because who they are. Let's take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the type 
of rapes, rapists there are. So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, a view through the veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, there's uh, some several types of rapists, but here's the general category There's the sadistic rapist whose motivation is to humiliate and degrade victims. There's the vindictive rapist that they have anger and aggression. They're focused directly towards children, towards women, and they believe that they are permitted to sexually attack children and women because they feel uh, they have been hurt, rejected, or wronged in the past. Also, rapists that deny they live in denial that they've ever hurt or raped anybody, that it's always the other person's fault. And that, my friends, is your typical narcissist. You know, child molestation usually begins with a sex offender gaining a child's trust and friendship. And so they begin testing the child's ability to protect themselves by telling sexual jokes, engaging in horseplay, back rubs, kissing, sexual games, and if the child appears comfortable or curious about that behavior, and most healthy, normal children are, the offender will slowly increase the amount and the type of touching to include more direct sexual touching. And child sexual abuse can include exposing, fondling, masturbation, oral sex, intercourse, or pornography, or all of the above. So many children do not understand what's happening, that it's wrong, and and most offenders know that if they physically harm a child while molesting them, the child will be more likely to tell. So they're clever enough to make the child feel if, if, if they're actually uh, responsible for the contact, that it's the child's fault. 
And the child becomes trapped, and they're unable to tell anyone what's happening, especially in loyalty-based cultures. And so, you know, uh, most of our school-based child abuse prevention programs do not prevent children from being abused and have little impact on the reporting. And, and so, you know, if we really look at this, it's usually someone we know. And research indicates that 25% of children are sexually abused prior to their 18th birthday. And most are molested by someone they are related to or know very well, like relatives or neighbors or cousins or family and friends. You know, and even 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 siblings. And one study indicates that one of every 10 men has molested a child. And despite the high rate of sexual abuse, only 16 percent of child victims are able to tell someone that they're being abused. And only three percent of the sex offenders are actually caught and prosecuted. And so most offenders are able to get away with it. And they molest children for years before they're reported to actually law enforcement. You know, what this tells us is that all parents, caretakers, community members must educate themselves about sexual abuse and child molesters in order to improve their ability to protect children. And it's important for people to understand how normal child molesters look and how easily they can gain access to our kids and isolate them and manipulate them into thinking abuse is okay. And they may make children feel guilty or responsible for, for the abuse. So what is the, who's that typical child molester? Well, they're probably well-known and liked by you and your child. They can be a man or a woman, married or single. They could be a child, an adolescent or an adult. They could be any race, hold any religious belief and have any sexual preference. And they also can be a parent, a step-parent, a relative, a friend, a teacher, a clergy, babysitter, anyone who comes in contact with children. And they're also likely to be a stable, employed, respected member of the community. And their education and intelligence don't prevent them from molesting a child. And also, they could be anybody. Parents can defeat me if they work together. Educate yourself, your family, your community to get these people who are child molesters to understand that I'm aware of who you are, what you are, and what you're doing. That is our greatest tool as a society is to understand the profile of these people and the nature and the behaviors. If we get that, we have a better shot at protecting our children's lives from these predators. It's very easy uh, for these molesters to gain access to your child, especially now through social media where our children hide it from their parents. You know, they pay attention to your kid. They make them feel special. They present an appearance of being someone you or your family can trust and rely on. They get to know your child's likes and dislikes. They got out of their way to, to treat your child with gifts and, and kindness. They isolate your child by involving them in activities like concerts or activities or going to the park. But it's always time alone. It's time alone. That's what they want to have, time alone. And if you're a single parent, they prey on your fears about your child lacking a, 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 another adult in their life and now you're looking for a parent and what they are is the predator not the parent not even the step parent but the selfish predator and you know who are also the bigger victims of child abuse is children that are mentally retarded or have mental issues those children who are 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 have have a, a delayed sense of intelligence or a delayed sense of maturity 
Yes, those are great, big, hairy targets for child molesters. They are looking for that because the child already has no credibility so they can creep in and do their crap to these children. And it's sad because they have no voice and they're not able to protect themselves and they don't even know how to communicate what's happening. You know, so what we have to do is we have to understand that, you know, there's things that we have to look for in our children. You know, if they are itching if they have uh, rashes, if they have, you know, uh, body marks, things like that, we need to be very, very careful to understand that we have to be aware of their bodies. And if they're itching or if they're having a problem with their crotch area, that's a good indicator on their on their breasts. That's a good indication that something might be going on with this crazy person. You know, you you, you know, you 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 probably think you know more about your kids than you do. You know, their music, their clothing, their video games, their language. Uh, if they, you know, anybody uh, who, people who molest children often will take on children's language, take on children's style in order to get to be a friendship with that child. They will mate up with that child at where they're at. And that's what predators will often do. You know, they, they also may touch your child in a way that makes the child feel comfortable with that person. That's another thing that you really want to watch out for because they may be doing it in a comfortable way, touching in a very comfortable way with you there, but that may also invite them to go steps further when they're alone with your child. You know, do everything possible to try to protect your children. You know, if, if people... If you find that people in their pornography or whatever are turned on by kids and enjoy being sexual with them, if they seem to have a lot of practice, they're skilled at offending, you know, and they won't stop and they have no so boundaries for themselves, or if they put everything in a box, you know, that's an indicator there may be somebody you don't want to have around your kid. That may be somebody that you may end up having to report to authorities and they may need to go to prison. And by the way, when these folks go to prison, they have to go to a different part of the prison because people in the prison will kill them because they have children, too. You know, it, it, you have to know that. You know, your child is not responsible for their behavior in this department. And we have to understand that they are easily influenced and questioning, especially after, you know, 10, 12 years old. Like, what is this hormone? You know, what's this testosterone? All about? What is all this, this hormonal stuff? What's this period stuff all about? What is all this sexual energy all about? I, I, they're exploring themselves. It's a very curious thing. And they really, really, really want to be a part of understanding that. But not with adults, not with the older kids. We want to keep them safe, folks. And that is the big deal. And that's why communication is key. Remind your child that secret touching is never the child's fault. Talk to your child about ways someone might trick them. You know, sometimes if, if they're younger children, use use a doll to say, is it appropriate to touch here? Is it appropriate to touch here? Is it appropriate to touch here? You know, like a bear, like a stuffed bear or something like that. And find out if they understand where is safe to touch and where is safe to not and how. Use that doll as a way for them to visualize what's not appropriate and what is appropriate. And you also have to be very wary of older children or adults who want to spend time alone with your kid. Trust your intuition. If you feel something's not right for your child's relationship, act on it. Believe me, it's worth it. Do it. Take that one extra step. 
That's a very important thing, especially if they're wanting time alone with your children. You know, each child is unique. Symptoms of sexual abuse vary and can be hard to identify in a lot of cases. But, you know, behavioral symptoms can include a change in modesty, ranging from being overly concerned about bodies to engaging in inappropriate sexual behavior, you know, genital pain, itching, discharge, bleeding. You want to look out for that stuff. So, like I said, if they're interested in sexuality and in their bodies and they're engaging in inappropriate sexual touch, that's an indicator something might be going on there. You know, they also develop stomach aches and headaches and a variety of other physical problems. And that can also be a manifestation that they've been inappropriately touched. You know, other other changes in your child can include sleep disturbances, bedwetting, you know, pooping, uh, uh, soiling themselves. You know, if that's going to happen, they're probably trying to make themselves unattractive. You know, if they're bedwetting, unattractive. You know, if they have unexplained fears or refusal to go to certain places or be with certain people. School problems, difficulty with peers, excessive crying or depression clinginess, aggressiveness, secretness are also very common in children that have sexual uh, molestation or rape in their background. You know, they try to deal with their own problems by engaging in escape behavior. Also, that's another indicator, you know, like running away or drug alcohol use or daydreaming, becoming more isolated. Some children may not demonstrate any type of negative symptoms. Some offenders are able to groom children for abuse in a manner that makes the child feel comfortable, close to, and even protected by the offender. But you have to remember, if your child demonstrates any abrupt change in behavior, they may have something that they need to talk about. And it's probably very confusing for them to have to communicate it. But it's a crime. Sexual abuse is a crime. If you believe your child has been molested, don't handle it yourself. Promise that you will keep them safe and you will do what it takes to make sure your child is safe. You know, uh, uh, you want to call the police if you have to call the police. Call, 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 uh, Child Protective Services, whatever it's going to take. But gender-wise, 88% of child molesters and rapists are male. 9% are female, 3% are unknown. But it comes with all ages, older kids, teens, seniors, socioeconomic groups, especially the wealthy, the middle class, but especially also the disadvantaged. And also all races and the ethnicity and also diverse occupations can be a part of this, like a doctor, somebody that's exposed to your child's naked body. You know, 49% with family member of sexual abuse is with children under six years old. That's in family members. 42% are between 7 and 11 with family members. 24% are between 12 and 17. You know, the younger the child, the more likely their abuser is a family member. So keep in mind that family members include parents, Guardians, step-parents, foster parents, adoptive parents, siblings, step-siblings, cousins, uncles, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Yeah, grandparents. You know, there's there's a substantial amount of, of, of evidence out there to help us understand what these people are all about. But the bottom line is we, as parents are the wall of safety for our children. That's our show. You know, thank you for listening. I love hearing from you. And you could do that at our webpage at voiceamerica.com. 
Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology on the Empowerment Channel. Now remember, there are a number of mechanical devices which increase sexual arousal, particularly in women. Chief among these is a Mercedes-Benz 380SL. <laughs> That's Lynn Lavener. <laughs> Virginity is like a bubble. One prick and it's all gone. Yeah, if you try everything once, not everyone. That's better. <laughs> also, sex does not make you an adult, but it can make you a baby. Also, bisexuality doubles your chances of a date. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be all.